Hello, Tim Ryan. Hey, Zach. What's up? How often are you? Uh, not much. How often are you accidentally saying the wrong name instead of Innovate Hampton Roads? Well, we're so new that I think the most difficult thing is, is that everybody, uh, I guess you don't realize how well something is branded until you go and talk to people and everyone is introducing you to Start Wheel and, 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 and I just, Rather than explain the whole thing, I did, a lot of times I just find myself just letting it slide because. Uh, so do you write like start wheel on like your name bag and then cross it out? And then Well, I have not gone. <laughs> well, yeah, I've not done anything like that. But like when people introduce it's me. Good icebreaker. Uh, yeah, yeah. But. Get me get me in there. Like if like if I'm if I routinely say something I and mean, we talked about this on previous shows, right? You uh, if, if you muscle memory is hard to get through. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you run yeah. in the afternoon and you say good morning to everybody. At least I do. I still do. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That, and it's just so many other aspects too, like where you know someone, maybe they get married, they get a new name, or you know of them from something else, right? And then they have yeah. a new career, uh, and you're like, oh, how's whatever? And then it's like, oh, you're not there anymore. So then you kind of feel like a donkey in that situation because you weren't following their career or whatever. But it's uh, the muscle memory is uh, always... Always a fun thing to to reflect back on and be like, huh, how am I doing on this? So, right. Yeah, I'm a creature habit. I'm going to keep time. asking you that over the next six months to see how, how you're doing on that. So so stay tuned, audience. Yeah. Give me a little pressure to uh, focus. Focus on the change. So what do we got on tap for today, Zach? Well, someone that uh, I, I've known for at least uh, for 10 years, Darrell Williams of Namarama. Uh, a foodie, uh, a food critic, a uh, tourism, uh, a Virginia tourist. I, I, it's hard to even explain. He, he's, which maybe is a bad thing, but uh, he, he's associated with like all things like fun in Virginia, started in the 757 um, and has expanded. Statewide, right? Yes, I don't know. These are these are my favorite shows. I I like I love meeting new people and uh, well, I don't know him that well, but I've seen his stuff over the years, and you know I've met him a handful of times, and I've not. So the uh, so I'm excited to uh, to dive in. So one of the most often asked questions between Tim and I on this show, which I guess is somewhat Virginia based, somewhat seven five seven based, is what is the and so I. I am very excited to ask this question to you. Yeah, you've been uh, because you've been, you've been chomping at the bit to uh, to ask this question, Zach. Yes, yes. So, when you think of specifically the Hampton Roads, Norfolk, Virginia Beach, Tidewater, seven five seven, whatever you want to call this area of southeastern Virginia, if you are an outsider and you come here to uh, to vacation or are here for a business trip and you say, Hey, what is the food of this area? What's this area's food of choice? What's the food that is known for? You know, you got Baltimore and, and, and crabs, you got New York and pizza, you got, uh, Buffalo chicken wings, Buffalo chicken wings and a plethora of, uh, you know, uh, beignets in, in, in New Orleans, maybe gumbo down there, a bunch of other different things, different places. What's the seven, five, eight, seven, five, sevens food. Oh man, I don't even think the 757 really has like a specific food. I do know at one point a lot of people were using pimento cheese 
and maybe it's a southern thing i'm not sure but a lot of these different restaurants that i had gone to i wouldn't even say it recently uh within the past like four three four years everyone was using pimento cheese whether they were calling it something different like pimp cheese or pimping cheese um i noticed that was like a, a a trend or a common thread now when you think of like what this the 757 is more known for i can't even put one particular type of food under my thumb you know i've seen a whole gambit of different items and that's why i loved really exploring the hampton roads because in different pockets you have different cultural scenes you've got different backgrounds you have whole different vibes depending on where you find yourself sure. vb chesapeake hampton um and the, the ability to kind of explore culinarily anywhere to a certain extent in the hampton roads was a really a really positive thing for me to kind of uncover as i developed the brand because people who lived in the area for x amount of years would always say to me man i've been here for 10 20 plus years i never even knew these places were even here um so yeah i guess to answer that question i don't even think there's like one particular type of food that the hampton roads is known for think, Zach, how, think, many, how many, how many oh, times was, do you think we asked this question uh, dozens things that have <laughs> popped things that have popped up the mexican white sauce some sort of seafood craft beer orange crushes uh and maybe that's it uh, th yeah. those are the frequent things that i think pop up pimento cheese was new yeah. Um, I mean, I, I love mean, aside, aside I from that white sauce. Yeah, that white sauce is, was what populated in Virginia Beach, I think, initially at one point. Uh, Plaza, maybe, or something. Yeah, or, no, Plaza, not Plaza. It was um, the spot near near Diamond Springs. I forget the name of the restaurant, but it started there, actually. Um, they're no longer in business, but they created it and it just kind of took over. So, excuse me, but I did forget about that. However, personally, I don't think of anything else in particular. Um, around this area um but yeah i mean crushes i've, I've seen crushes kind of all over the place it's a type of beverage but i think virginia beach has really taken them and like made them their own for crush fest and things of that nature um what else you said something else zach what was another example you gave some people say certain types of seafood uh i can't remember which kinds um okay. craft beer you know, I think this is an underrated craft beer, uh, craft beer area. Tim thinks this is one of the yeah. best in the world. Yeah. Um, I've always said the water is very important for that. Things around the water. Um, yeah. What else did I say? The white sauce. Uh, I don't remember. What was that yeah. I, I mean, we learned uh, on the show. We did learn that this is the uh, the Napa Valley for peanuts. Oh, mm. dude. Yeah. There's peanuts are big here. Um, Franklin, Virginia, uh, buddy yeah. of mine, they own his family owns hubs peanuts. That's they are literally the best peanuts you can ever buy. Um, we, we had Marshall on the show from there, you know, and then dude, you get a shout out Marshall. That's yeah, the home. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Shout out Marshall. So, and then you get the nuts and you realize these nuts are huge and you're just yeah. like, Oh, it's great. I mean, it's, these nuts are so much bigger than any other nuts. It's just, it's wonderful. It's funny. I was a big planters guy growing up, yeah. you know, typical cocktail peanuts. And then we did a tour of Franklin and got to stop by um, the Marshall's uh, Hubs Vine uh, business. They opened up in an old Farm Fresh building. Mm -hmm. And ever since having Hubs, I've literally I've messaged him, texted him, called him like, dude, I don't go anywhere else for peanuts anymore. We've actually made it a point to go back to Franklin just to like get a horde of peanuts to bring back home. They're so good. The sweet heat ones are ridiculously good. And now they have their own chocolate line there. They used yeah. to export that. 
Yeah. yeah. They, you can actually get them in um, Food Lions. Kind of all but over. I think that didn't Marshall say that uh, they, they white label for Wegmans as well? Was it Wegmans? Ooh. Okay. Yeah. That's I believe so. Very cool. Yeah, so you killer. might be able to get it there. Uh, yeah. Hit your yeah. local Wegmans. You have one of those here. Because Planners, Planners was Suffolk, right? Planners was Suffolk. Yep. And they're still there. They're still there. They actually just converted over an old planter's peanut facility into some um, apartments, I believe, recently, within the past, like, six, seven months. There's a big coffee, uh, Massimo Gennetti, Zanetti, something like that. They do a big, uh, I can't, I'm thinking of the can. It's yellow and black. <laughs> it, it was on, um, I saw it on a show once a long time ago. Yeah. I can't think of the, the name of it, but they do that here too. So I guess the it, it, is that a problem though? Is not having something to promote? Like, is there is there something missing there? Is that a good thing, a bad thing? And that's just food related, right? I think you, if you think of this from a business, entrepreneurial, startup kind of ecosystem area too, some people think that there's something missing from that perspective. Is is not having something to market, to brand behind? Is that a good thing, a bad thing? When when you think about that and reflect back on, oh, I forgot about this, I forgot about that. You know, the peanuts, the white sauce, the this, and then think of it from a business perspective. Is is that a bad thing, good thing? What are your kind of overall thoughts on that? Um, honestly, I think there's a bigger picture or a bigger thing to focus on with the Hampton Roads, and that's like. I've said this for years. There's the siloing of cities in the Hampton Roads, where we call our we, they call we call ourselves collectively the Hampton Roads, but Virginia Beach acts as VB, Norfolk acts as Norfolk, Hampton acts as Hampton, and there's no camaraderie between the different cities. Um, so when you think about like if there's no particular like identity around the food, I don't think it's really as necessary as of yet because we are focusing on the Hampton Roads as a whole. And like I said before, each of these different pockets of the Hampton Roads has a different vibe, different aesthetic, different energy to come together. Um, but what I have recognized is like that willingness for people in that area to kind of try anything, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I used to host the slider competitions and then the munchie markets where I recognized when I was developing the munchie market, I learned that or I got inspired by that uh, concept called Smorgasburg. Uh, which started in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, in New York, and they were bringing pop-ups from kind of all over the place. And I thought, well, there's so many different people that are doing awesome things back in Norfolk and VB. Like, why are we not doing this here? And it just kind of clicked to me to bring a lot of those people together collectively and say, let's just bring all these different techniques, all these different people, you know, these characters and these flavors and different cuisines in one particular location. And we did our very first one, um, between Smart Mouth Brewing Company and um, Smart Mouth and Benchtop. It was dope. There were like eight vendors. There was four at each brewery. It was all open air market. Like it was an amazing vibe. We had a DJ, we had games. I mean, the beer was flowing. Um, I remember at one point, uh, Chris at Smart Mouth, I had asked her a question about if we needed certain types of things. And she said to me, well, honestly, like you're kind of blazing this trail. We've never done this before. So whatever you think is the best way to go about it, let's just do that way. And it turned into just something that really resonated with the local people because it provided them these different ways to try different foods. You know, like I said, that central idea of what Hampton Roads are known for, I think it's the, the um, it's eclectic. There's just so many options. I may, I'll say this over and over again. There are just so many different things to eat. I've found 
of course, Filipino cuisine. I found, you know, authentic African cuisine, you know, Latin cuisine. There's there's so many different things in the area. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's one thing that's neat is that um, Hampton Roads, really, with the military that we have, we are yeah. we are very much a melting pot of so many yes. different things. We're, we're New York City. I mean, they're a melting pot because immigration happened there for so many mm-hmm. years. But with the military, we, we do have we have a lot of everything here. Yeah. Um, it's very transient people moving in, moving out, bringing their cultures, bringing their types and styles. I, I loved it. That's one thing that uh, so. Like it's, to your point, every city has like their restaurant week. Why isn't why don't we like have like co-host restaurant weeks, you know, where, you know, this week it's Virginia Beach and Norfolk or Virginia Beach and Hampton. Or, or is it as everything still just so siloed that, hey, yep. we're only we're only focused on. It, <laughs> it's interesting because I've been doing this for a number of years now and coming to move. I moved to Norfolk in like 2006, right, where I had been traveling and not a ton, but got there for college. And I learned a lot about Norfolk and, you know, living in Norfolk, unless you are familiar with the Hampton Roads and how there are seven different cities, you think everything is just so far removed because people who, again, who live in Norfolk stayed in Norfolk. So I never really ventured to Virginia Beach until like my second year of living in Norfolk. Um, But I remember at one point, this is years and years later, there was like an initiative where Virginia Beach and Norfolk were collaborating some capacity of like marketing the area. It didn't last very long, um, but I got super excited. I was okay, this is the start of something amazing because you think about it like when you talk about, you mentioned New York before, it's the five boroughs. We know it's the boroughs of New York. Everyone can name, not everyone, a lot of people can name them on their, you know, at a whim. But you think of the Hampton Roads, you think of Hampton Roads as being a collective, but it's it's unfortunately not. But I think it would be a lot more powerful for the area to then really focus on chopping down those barriers and really collaborating with neighboring cities. Like I said, Virginia Beach and Norfolk, they're right there, dude. So it's like it only makes sense to then partner with each other to then bring more attention to the area as a whole versus well, we're going to do VB over here. We're going to, we're Chesapeake. We're all the way over here. Um, and in working with these different businesses for so many years, the businesses are looking for it. They want that. Yeah. So there's not, there's not a regional restaurant food association organization of any kind. Um, Not that I'm, I'm not saying that there isn't, but not that I'm familiar with. I've been in, yeah. in rooms with city officials from again norfolk vb chesapeake hampton um there's like a the chamber right the hampton right. chamber um which that meets pretty regularly but as far as efforts to collaborate collectively i've not seen it maybe i just haven't been in the right conversations mm-hmm. um yeah i i've never heard of one one of my yeah. good friends chris chef chris hill used to run three-way cafe mm-hmm. he's never brought it up um not that he would know, but I would imagine he would know because we've yeah. talked about food before. Um, I'll ask him. It's an interesting thought. I mean, to me, the chamber isn't really a food focused thing. I would mm-hmm. imagine them not having, you know, if they have some members that do food, good for them. But I don't really look at them as being like a focus on that. But it yeah. is interesting. I, when I'm hearing that and what I've seen from afar and, and, and you and I have met in the past way, way, way long time ago, yeah. like you look at something, and you go, OK, here's a problem. And you're like, okay, I'm going to use my artistic creativity to create this solution. It's what Namarama has become. I feel like Lucian Freeland is the one who introduced me to you. I don't know if that name 
okay, you do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Lucian, shout out Lucian. He's a good dude. Yeah, I feel like that's how he told me about you. I, I feel like he was like 2013, 2014 time frame. I think and so. You, you were rolling this out, and you know, here we are almost a decade later, and you have. I mean, I I've seen your stuff from the Virginia tourism aspect. I've seen City with Bite, which is really interesting behind the scenes uh, aspects. Um, uh, of restaurants in, in Norfolk specifically, I think, but like how, walk us through the process. Yeah. Of, I would, of, I would like to know what, what is Namorama? Yeah. Yeah. So, and again, you guys can hear me. Okay. These lawnmowers. Are <laughs> <killing> me. <laughs> um, so Namorama really started as just like a hobby project. Um, again, moving here in 2006, I didn't start a, a, a immediately. I got to school in Old Dominion, and I met some really cool people that showed me a lot about more local business. Um, my dad had a small clothing store back in the 90s outside of the Woodbridge um, Potomac Mills Mall, right outside of D.C. So I already had like a love for small local business and things of that nature. But I was a typical suburban kid, you know, through and through, and I watched a lot of TV growing up to where I used to watch, you know, Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives, of course, and Anthony Bourdain. And I really loved um, that show Samantha Brown put out. I think it was like tra Travel with Samantha Brown. I forget the name of the show, but she would travel the world. And I thought my mom was, loves that show. I love that yeah. show still, dude, um, to where it, it, it blew my mind. I was like, well, how is how is it? How is she doing this? Like, how is she affording to do this? Is this a job? Like, how does she do this for work? And it just blew my mind to where it it kind of lit a fire inside of me to say that I would love to have a show where I could travel and do all of these amazing things. And then life happened and, you know, I grew up and had a job and all these things. But all the while, I want to say it's when Vice, Vice Network kind of really changed things and put it into perspective where, of course, Guy was doing his thing. He was the originator. But when I saw what Vice was doing through their um, their munchies effort, they were really raw. They were gritty. It was uncut. And it was like adopting hip hop. It was adopting the elements that came like were kind of um, authentically cool to me. Right. Sneakers, music, again, subcultures um, by the names of um, Andy Huang, um, uh, Maddie Matheson, um, you know, all these different people, Joe Coy. Uh, that were just really doing amazing things. And I had this idea that I wanted to start a pop-up of some sort. So I started doing copycat burgers at my parents' house, where I'm at now, currently. Um, and I would do local beer and copycat burgers from different restaurants that I had aspired to visit or that I had traveled to in the past, i.e., you know, in and out and things of that nature, making, you know, uh, animal style sauce at home on a flat top or whatever. And I would pair them with local beers, either O'Connor at the time or whatever beer was around the area, which was like Fredericksburg's local brewery, which is, I think they're defunct now. I'm not sure. Um, but I was doing this on like a regular basis with my brother and like some of my best friends. And one of my best friends, Lance says, well, what are you going to call this? Namarama or something? And I stopped and I took a second. I was like, yo, I don't hate that. And it stuck. So then from there, um, my very first pop-up, my, my very best friend, my brother, Michael, he helped me land a, my first burger pop-up at 
um, a homie's pho restaurant after they closed. And I was doing ramen burgers. I was doing smash burgers with like eggs on them and like special sauce and everything. Um, all from what I had learned and I taught myself from following and like digesting all these things that these chefs were doing in LA and New York and Chicago and Seattle. And I just tried it. Um, and I learned quickly that I am not a chef, right? Serving undercooked burgers at some point at, at certain points of the night, you know, serving burnt burgers. I had a, a spatula that was like a half a spatula. So all that to say, I learned I wasn't a chef, but I still loved the idea and the mind of how chefs thought. I, I think it's brilliant that a, a, a father of two kids, now I have a hard enough time figuring out what to make my family for, where a chef can conjure up a whole menu to feed complete strangers, you know? So I thought it was amazing to where I thought, well, what else can I do to like spotlight and like pay homage to chefs? And I thought, well, I'm just going to spotlight them. I'm a, I've always been a storyteller. So I started to go to different restaurants and um, I would just, this is around when I was learning more about um, iPhones and their capabilities and things of that nature, them changing technologically and advancements and camera megapixels. I was doing um, photography assistant work at the time and I was doing, I was interning at Alt Daily at this time too. And I would take my phone and I would go to restaurants around when Instagram kind of was first popping off. And I would just go to restaurants and I'd take photos and I would tag the restaurant. I would tell my friends like, yo, there's a local spot. I know you live in Norfolk, but like go to VB, go to Chesapeake. This, this spot is, is banging. You got to check them out. And it was always the spots that I would go to that didn't have tons of money to market themselves. I was thinking to myself, well, these are small local businesses that deserve people to check out what they've got to offer. But if people don't know about them, they're not going to go. And like I mentioned before, a lot of people when I was uncovering these restaurants would say to me, I've been here for 15 years. I didn't even know they were there. Um, and that gave me a, a moment of like pride to say that I was putting people on who were from the area to these amazing restaurants and introducing them to the owners to get them to tell their story about why they got to do and why they're doing what they do. So that transpired into um, uh, the very first show effort, which homie of Lucian's, I went to school with him years ago. His name is Chris. Chris um, Conway. We, Chris Conway. <laughs> we worked on the very first episode of Namorama. I, th I thought it was him. Uh, yeah. I think it was 2014, 2015. I hit him with the idea and he loved it and yep. we shot it. Great and, photographer too. Yeah. And it, it just kind of changed people's idea of what Namorama was. And it, no one had any idea where it came from. Again, the production value, he, he really did an amazing job. Um, and it just snowballed into something else. I did the episode at O'Connor and Kevin was super stoked on it. It was like, if you ever need any help with anything else, let me know. I said, I got an idea for an event. And thus the slider competition was born where we did, I did it five years in a row. We would bring local burger purveyors from across the Hampton Roads, not just Norfolk, but across the Hampton Roads to, to come to O'Connor and battle it out in a burger gauntlet. So hmm. if you were somebody who lived in Norfolk but never made it a point to go to Chesapeake, then you could come to the burger competition and try a burger from Chesapeake and say, yo, I tried it here. It was delicious. Now I'm going to go take my butt to Chesapeake and actually buy a full-on meal with family at this burger restaurant. Um, and it grew and grew and grew. So at one point, I think one year, we had six or eight different competitors all at one event. Um, and it, it was just like – 
over and over and over again. And at the time I was working um, corporate for multiple startup companies across the country. I used to sell, oh man, I've sold all kinds of things. Uh, I was working security awareness. I did smart parking solutions. I sold a CRM for real estate. So in my travels, I was I was working and they were taking care of <laughs> my my meals, breakfast, lunch and dinner. So when I would go to these different states, I would fly in early and I would just explore. I would fly in and I would just walk. I'd wander around different cities. I mean, I'm walking through neighborhoods just like miles and miles and miles. And I would just look for restaurants and businesses and I would pop in. I'd eat and I'd meet the owners and the chefs and the, the local people that would eat there. And I just get to talk to people. And it was it's it was the most fun I had ever had thinking back on like just natural exploration. And I would learn these things and I'd bring them back home and I would do them over and over and over. And then things just grew and snowballed into more. And yeah. And then I was shooting my own. So Chris and I, we parted ways after the first episode. We had shot two episodes at that point, but the second one never came out. So the saying goes, you know, you want something done the way you how you see it, you do it yourself. I tried working with a few other videographers, didn't work out. And again, iPhones were getting to the point where they started to beef up their cameras. And I remember having a very like in-depth conversation with the photographer that I was working with at the time, Roberta Westbrook, super talented. And he was like, well, you know, it's cool to see the technology, but it's it's interesting to see where things will develop. So I took that as like a a sign. So I took my iPhone six and I got a rig. I got a microphone. I had an idea and I did it. And I shot, I think it was like seven episodes all on my phone. I I networked, I coordinated, I scouted, I edited, I promoted. I did everything on my own from my phone and then put it on YouTube. And still to this day, the views are lower than I would like them to be, but it was a, a, a proof of concept of like, you want something, go out and get it. And I did it. And then events were still popping off. And then finally, after working with the city of Norfolk for multiple years, um, um, Jared at Sway reached out to me about the city with bite concept and said, Hey, you know, city of Norfolk wants to promote the food effort. And we don't think anyone else would do it justice, but you. And thus City with Bite was born. And then I had an opportunity to do another show that encompassed the full Hampton Roads, where, which was called Just Dropping In with my homie Tremaine's company, uh, Fond. And then that's when COVID, I think it's around when COVID hit to where the whole landscape completely changed, right? Where restaurants were closing down left and right. Businesses were trying to figure out ways to do to-go orders and things of that. And the state of Virginia was already following me through Namarama. Hmm. And they had reached out to me and said, we want to um, do something to, to, to promote the businesses and the, and the restaurants. And I thought, well, you know, granted COVID was a bear, but like businesses closed, but there are still dozens and hundreds of businesses that are still open so instead of talking about the ones that are closed, let's talk about the ones that are still open. Yeah. So they kicked off their Wander Love campaign and sent me and my family on a trip of a lifetime to um, the Eastern Shore. We did Chincoteague, uh, Assateague, 
Um, we did Kip to Peak State Park and I mean, all the restaurants and all these different things. And it really changed my mind completely as to what Namarama could be. And that's what I, that's what me and the family do predominantly now is tourism ambassadorship. We work with different destinations and uh, DMOs to have them bring us in and showcase what they have to offer, whether it be restaurants, museums, trails, parks, downtowns, anything. And it's, man, Tim, it's been a dream come true, man. Seriously. Wow. That's awesome. Thank you. What's, I, do, before we get too far down the path, I want to go back to O'Connor and find out more about the uh, this competition. What, what, yeah. what were like? So, who was there? One particular winner that uh, stood out year after year, and yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I got the idea for the competition to give the winner a golden spatula. Again, I'm a I'm a suburban kid, so SpongeBob was like growing up that was the thing so he had a golden oh the golden spatula <laughs> so every year i would make a golden spatula trophy um year one it was in like a shadow box frame year two i think i actually painted like a golden spatula and a friend of mine put it on he welded it with like a but it was awesome so anyway um yeah the competitors would come and the 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 attendees who would buy or would donate money for tickets and they would come in and I'd give each of them a voter's card. Okay. You're, you're a voter, you're an attendee. So you have as much say in who wins as everyone who's here. It's, it's all equal. There's no one. I'm, I'm not turning anybody away. Um, and I thought it was fun because it got crowd participation, you know, yeah. um, and encouraged people to come out and, you know, dabble and try different beers and, you know, get outside, get, it's funny because like social media, you're always on your phone, right? Where I encourage people to, tap into social media but also enjoy the moment when it's happening um so yeah the people would come out and they would try a slider from each competitor and at the end of it they would then choose who they thought was one two three four five six or seven and we would then award the winner the golden spatula and it got it got dirty <laughs> it got <laughs> <laughs> and so so with that could they submit was was there rules as far as like this is the kind of burger you're preparing today or you can just come out with whatever it is that you wanted to come out with a burger with two buns it had to have a top bun and a bottom bun you could pull whatever you wanted in the middle you could we had wagyu beef before wagyu was like a huge thing we had people doing like bourbon bourbon infused bacon hot sauce barbecue sauce we had people doing i mean one of the winners, they're actually um, still located in Virginia Beach, Barrel 17. Hmm. Uh, shout out that team. They did a jam and goat burger, which has, they still do it. It's on the menu still to this day. It's got goat cheese and like some like berry jam compote situation. It is phenomenal, man. Hmm. Um, another, another. Um, I would think 80, what was 80, 20 around then? Did they represent well? I don't think 8020 actually did a competition. I reached out to them multiple hmm. times, multiple times, but they never did. Um, ooh, um, um, I'm drawing a blank. Redwood, Redwood Smoke. Um, amazing. Like Bob came they, through. They do burgers? They don't. They do for specials. It's called huh. the Beast Mode, which it's like, hmm. oh my gosh. It's incredible. It's like which is crazy because they are in the old dog and burger joint. Yeah, and which, I, which I always loved. That talk I about 
a heart attack waiting to happen. That place was just a a flying grease ball. Like (laughs) dog and burger was my jam. Like in college, I remember this is back around the sixties, fixed gear bikes. I would go to dog and burger (laughs) at least twice a week, at least twice a week. That's when food was cheap, you know? Give me the brown bag special, Zach. I need the brown bag special. The hot dog. The crinkle fries were so good. How, how expensive gourmet burgers are getting these days? It's ridiculous. It's not yeah. just gourmet. You could go to the Mac Shack well, and spend ten bucks on a, sure, on, a sure. on a on a Big Mac meal. I mean, it's just yeah. across the board. It's like you get two people to go to Five Guys now, man. You're dropping some some cash. Yeah, Easy. yeah. Speaking um, of speaking of that type of stuff, I'm interested in just like your thoughts on the DoorDashes, the Uber Eats of the world the the grub hubs that have really taken your uh food spots that n- didn't normally have delivery so i think historically your delivery delivery places were like your chinese joints and mm-hmm. your your pizza spots and that's about it but then these other companies allowed it to to order some of it was just carry out then delivery in there uh, is that a good thing for businesses? Is it a bad thing? It, are you losing some continuity and stuff like it, it's a weird thing and then by the way it's crazy that people are paying double the price mm-hmm. of, of some of the stuff. I mean, you yeah. you get a $40 meal and you're paying 80, 90 bucks for that to get it delivered. It's like, damn, like that's that's obnoxious. Like, like yeah. what are your what's your overall thoughts on whatever <laughs> whatever that terminology is? The uh the everything can be delivered. It depends. Venue. Um I say this because like I was a big proponent of and still am to a certain degree of like Groupon and Living Social when those were like really popular and first developing. I actually almost worked with them years ago too. But what I learned is um, when you provide, when you tap into a service like a Groupon and you're trying to like sell a number of like seats at a table to eat at a restaurant, but you're not equipped enough with staff to take care of that demand your quality is going to, it's going to plummet, you know, the quality of service, the quality of your food, all of these things are, are part of the equation. So where it's similar to this Uber eats and these DoorDash models, where if you're running a, a, a traditional, like dine-in restaurant, and now you've added on top of that delivery, it's adding in an additional level of like more more business more more of a market that you're tapping into so you're, you're stretching yourself even more thin it's a good idea for those who can't get out of the restaurant to make their own deliveries but it, it just all depends on how you how you work it to be honest i've been working with multiple restaurants that have either been, been thankful that it exists i'm so glad that like uber eats is here and they saved me this and this during time, covid probably specifically yeah, yeah especially during covid but i also heard the other side where it's horror stories where they were having drivers come in at the wrong times looking for their food or you've heard the story people don't get their food you know they're the driver steals their food it whatever. is different like and i know tim you don't you, you live far enough out that you don't have to to deal with this shenanigans as much because have you ever done it tim Me? No. yeah tim yeah and, and so like it, it's it's it, it's almost i'd say six percent of the time something something is wrong Right. And so it's <laughs> wild. Have you ever watched the show The Bear? Maddie Matheson's in it. it. No, I've I've been hearing much about it. I really don't really watch a lot of TV. I got two kids, we homeschool. Well, you like yeah, you, you mentioned the thing about you like the brain of a chef. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm not gonna ruin the story uh, of Thank it. You. But there but there is something in there that is a um 
it's just a wild ride about all of this. And um, it's a pretty quick show. They're like 20, 30 minute episodes. Um, the kid from I'll, Shameless or the guy from Shameless is like one of the main characters. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, the guy who looks like the guy from Willy Wonka at a young age. Yeah, young. <laughs> Gene yes. Wilder. Yes. <laughs> is that Lip on uh, Shameless? Yeah, that's Lip. <laughs> but Maddie Matheson, Maddie Matheson is in in it, and he's obviously done some really interesting things with his world and and, and Vice yeah. through there. I met Eddie Wang at a um, at a conference in Omaha. Did you? And uh, he was just on the come up at that point too. Mm, yeah. And the um, first off the boat he was doing the show. You, you know what he said about Omaha? He gets on stage and he goes, This is the most effed up thing I've ever seen. You guys are the place where these cows are created and, and groomed and live. And then you butcher them or you or you ship them out to butcher them and then you bring them right back here. He's like, well, Why don't you do the whole damn thing here? It's yeah. like you're you're elongating the process when the damn meat is being produced here. And so people oh, just yeah. sat there like He's got a point. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Why are we not doing that? Yeah, oh, he's hilarious. I like. Yeah, I always enjoyed watching his shows. He was one of the the top chefs that I was like. Again, when Munchies came out, and yeah. he was like pushing that charge for Munchies. I digested everything Eddie put out there. I watched all of his shows. I mean, I follow. I remember trying to look him up multiple times to see where he was going to be if I was traveling, if I could intersect paths with the guy. It just never happened to the point where. His show, Fresh Off the Boat through Munchies, had to change the name because I think the, the, the station or the channel ABC picked up a show based off of his, loosely based off of his life called Fresh Off the Boat, which is another great show that I, I loved watching that until the season ended or the shows ended entirely. Um, but yeah, man, it was a, it's a wild time. It's a wild time. Zach, when you know, we lost you momentarily, we were talking about uh, expanding out throughout the state of Virginia, being able to uh, explore different places. I'm, I'm curious, what, what, what are some of the the sleepers across Virginia? Like, if we're uh, cruising 81 or 64 going west, you know, that we have to stop, uh, and yeah. what places we need to check out? Uh, I don't know routes very well. I just not know. Yeah. Where. I mean, it's just like 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 Stanton yeah. seemed like there were some cool places. Uh... So we've we've not actually we've been to Stanton a number of times. We never actually done an official tour there just yet. Um, I did have a great time in Danville. I had never been mm. to Danville or Farmville, which are areas that I've never would have gone to otherwise. Um, but that's again why I said those tours changed my life to consider these other pockets of Virginia. I've been in Virginia all my life. Um, but I really predominantly stayed in Northern Virginia and the Hampton Roads because of school and where my family was. But not until like traveling that I realized, you know, there are so many different pockets and you don't know about them unless you take the back road. So I always encourage mm -hmm. you that wherever you go, if you have make give yourself the time to go the back roads and really explore um, what each of these little pockets of Virginia has to offer. The main interstates are a lot of the reasons why these small towns and small cities die out because they are they're, re they're, they're workarounds, right? To avoid them and to save time. But when you think about it, you're going through these little downtowns and these main streets and there's these small individually owned businesses that at the heart of it, it's someone's dream. 
to, to yeah. run a business for themselves. That's someone's goal to start a business and to like actually encourage people to come work with them and to provide for other people. I think it's beautiful. And as people, wherever you live, it's our job to support other people's endeavors, especially those ones that are um, working towards building the community, wherever you are. You know, these people who have small businesses are not using that, typically speaking, are not using that money to go buy another major yacht or a super jet to fly them somewhere. It's for little Jimmy's soccer lessons or she's whatever she's trying to do after school. And for my kids particular, like summer camp is is coming up next week. You know what I mean? So like to own a small business and to be able to put my kids in STEM camp for the summer is like, it's amazing. So I, I, it's our job as residents, wherever we live to, to patronize these businesses and wherever you travel to, don't go to the the the, the brick and mortar major chains and stuff like we have those everywhere. Check into the spots that you can't find at home. In that same vein, I, I like I feel like when you go to a new city and you go on your uh, uh, like your your Yelps or your Trip Advisors, I think those are a little misleading oftentimes, Absolutely. right? Where like the the top twenty are are often misleading. They they could be a great time, they could be a great place, but a better better thing to do is hop in a ten dollar Uber drive. Uh, and and ask the people there and be yep. like, where where should I go, right? Yep. And so if you're coming down for Virginia Beach, get in your Uber and ask those people where to go and say, I want to know where the locals go, right? That's and so when I, when I was in San Antonio, we would do that all the time. And they took us to a place um, where uh, Tim's wife loves, by the way, um, the little uh, the little marketplace. Oh, uh, yeah, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, they took us to this place called the Pearl District that we never would have gone to. All these other little places, very locally focused. And it's just like, that's what you need to do is get an Uber car, spend a little bit of extra money doing that and and, and ask those people because they're going to they're going to know where do you hang out? Yep. Where that's, shouldn't I go? Right. Yeah. So, exactly like, well, a lot of people will go into this and that. It's like, no, 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 no. don't go there. Like, I'll do that, that in the morning, that Zach. I'll, uh, I'll, when I go for a run, we're more traveling somewhere and I'll look to see where's the place that has the line out the door waiting yeah, for yeah. breakfast. I'll go back to the hotel and it's like, that's where we're going and yeah. uh, works out pretty well. That's, and it's funny because, like, that's exactly what I was doing when I was traveling. I was going to say something else to that effect. Oh, we were, we were in Miami um, for my birthday last year. And every, you know, when you think of Miami, you think of like Miami, like, Oh, the beaches, the colors and the party and the vibes and the food and this and that, which. Yeah. Will Smith and his song, Miami. You just think about Miami. Yeah. (laughs) Miami. Anyway, we were out there and we got to stay in um, little Havana, which is so amazing. That's where Jeremy lives Tim. Oh, Cali it is. Mm-hmm. Cali Ocho. Yeah. Is that's, awesome. that's our, uh, that's a bucket list place for us to go. We it's, were going to go and then COVID shut everything down. You got to go. You got, it's starting. We were there last year and you could, they already started, they, they were finishing a Starbucks. So go now before they gentrify. Mm. It's going to happen just like anywhere else. But I mean, you got your typical spaces here and there that are going to be pocketed and stuff like that but Cali Ocho there's art there's music there were everywhere you see coffee a little cafecito the small um, espresso drinks and then we went to a spot called Sanguish the most delicious Cuban sandwich I have ever had in my entire life mm. we, that was, we went there first we first got there 
ate all over Miami. We went downtown and just to check it out. This is there's nothing exciting. It's typical big city stuff, right? Um, but then we went back to Sanguish again the day before we flew out and walked and we walked to the restaurant in a rainstorm to get a Cuban from there before we took off. It was so good. Um, but to that effect, Zach, it's like people know Miami for Miami, but like many people don't know about Little Havana, right? And yeah. this thing about before Virginia Beach's Vibe District kicked off, those businesses have been there for years. But until it was coined the Vibe District, did it start getting more promotion and more shine? I've been in the ear of VB for years before this was even the Vibe District to say, hey, yeah, the oceanfront, the boardwalk is dope. But like, what about these other businesses that are right a stone's throw away from the boardwalk that are killing it and bringing people to Virginia Beach every day that don't even get any kind of spotlight or shine? I'm, I'm glad they're doing it now. Kate Pittman is doing an amazing job, you know, uh, charging that. Um but it's 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 a give and take gentrification redevelopment all of these things it's a there's a, a gift and a curse when it comes to those kinds of things yeah it's it's wild to say and it, it, and i've been saying it for i don't know 6 months now 12 months but like that that phoebus is like surging right now man Fe yeah. like the the places that phoebus has is I mean, that where mango mango is mango mm -hmm. mango and uh, sly um, clyde sly el diablo clyde, loco fuller's Yep. The, the dive bar, El Diablo Loco, all just yeah. super, super cool places. Man. El Diablo Loco. That's yeah, that's dude, the that place, nice that, place, right? Yeah. Dude, that man. Mm, good stuff. Is there food there? <laughs> yeah, it's Virginia. There has to yeah, be. it's a tequila bar, but it, it's oh, uh dude, yeah, they got a uh we'll be there. Yeah, but their their food though is is banging, man. It's uh dude. Because they have like anything from your typical Mexican stuff, but like them typical me Mexican stuff with with uh, smoked brisket, uh, mm. dude. It's just mm. yeah. I've not been there yet. I used to work at um, Prince Inc. when I first went full time with Namarama, and we used to print their shirts. Oh yeah, yeah. We used to print their shirts. Is Prince still there? Do yeah, they they're still there, and they're still kicking kicking. So out. they have two locations now. In Hampton? Not in Hampton, they're not. No. Okay, so they moved they, to the Norfolk spot. I knew that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, so they've they've been in the Norfolk spot. I want I don't even know how many years now, but they've been there for oof years now. Well, they were the I feel like they were the first of that um Yep. Vibrant spaces. I was gonna call it hidden spaces, yeah. Vibrant spaces. Yeah, vibrant spaces. Yeah. yeah. They were the yeah, they were the first recipient of that. I guess recipient is the right word or whatever sure. you want to call it. Um are things like that good for cities? Yeah. Have you, yeah. Have you, seen, have you seen them in other places? Or is, is Norfolk unique in that regard? Like, um, I wouldn't. And, and the concept is the city would have, uh, they had like a, 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 a committee, a, an organization that would give a little bit of funds and a little yeah. bit of um, rent rebates for people to go in non-use spaces. Yeah. And they would help those retail focused businesses whether that be a restaurant or or something retail focused to, to go in but i mean are are those are those good things for the future like where, where do you yeah, see that i think so development is funny because like when you think about like your typical big money developers their their goal is to wipe everything out and build new right whether it be apartments or new shopping centers or whatever the case may be but initiatives like vibrant spaces they're not there to wipe it clean. They're there to, um, in essence, like revitalize spaces that have been there 
in different kinds of use and, and other kind of activities, but they're working to kind of hone in on the original character and beauty of the area and then putting spaces and businesses into those that will then revive, like, again, bring more life, bring more energy into it. Um, I appreciate things like that. And I wouldn't say Norfolk's um, the first person to do anything to that effect, right? I've been in different places where I've seen it called different things, but it's a similar concept. And it's it's always appreciated to see that. Um, I guess, yeah, that, that answers the question. It's I, I love being able to see where, biz, where cities will... And it, it happens a lot when you see like the downtowns or it's the the railroad towns that have railroads going through them or river towns where the, the warehouse districts or the business districts are then recoined as something different where they'll take those big brick buildings and they'll section them off and turn them into either condos or creative workspaces or multi-use retail spaces. I honestly think that's what should be done with MacArthur Center Mall, to be honest. Tear some of it down, use some of that courtyard space for some other things. But who am I? Right. You know, um, I think it's it's important to recognize that it's not always necessary to tear stuff down. We can it's it's 2023. You know what I mean? Yeah. We can make work with anything. Richmond did a really nice job with that. Frederick uh, and Fredericksburg has done a really nice job with it, too. They got a cool downtown as well. Yeah, I grew up here, man. When I was growing up here, it wasn't anything out here for a young black kid <laughs> trying to find something cool to do. It was Civil War relics, and that was it. But now there's a number of restaurants. There's actually a Michelin chef, uh, Michelin star chef who owns a restaurant downtown, Joy Joy Crump, I think. She owns uh, Foodie, and she's amazing. Like, And there's mul multiple breweries, businesses. I mean, there's a, a, buzz, a buzzing scene of like – millennials and what do you call what's what's after millennials Gener gen z Why? gen z i think gen z's, yeah, gen z's. you have to <laughs> right? i mean i guess <laughs> um but those yeah, annoying kids on their cell phones the whole time that's those, what those, those youngsters right yes, is what they yes. call them um but no it's funny to see like again the development of different areas and i for one can appreciate when a developer can see the potential of a space to then mm -hmm. revitalize it versus tearing it all down. So, I think you can make the argument that retail is dying, has been dying. You just talked about MacArthur Mall being one of them. I think big shopping malls like that are, are different. So I'll say this. I have seen where shopping malls completely flip and versus being the ones where the big anchor stores are paying absorbent amount of money for rent, they're cheapening their leases and allowing small local brands to move in like macarthur started doing that but i think still there's still it is, it's, a, it's a push and pull with that still um but there's still there's still abilities to really redevelop what a mall looks like think about like your um so malls aren't dead malls have turned into what do you call like what's what's short pump it's like an outdoor shopping center essentially yeah yeah, short front mall, and then even here, there's Spotsylvania. They're called town centers now, mm -hmm. or your Williamsburg outlets. They're the malls are not dead. People don't want to be inside of a building shopping. They okay. offer the outlets. So a strip a strip mall outdoor scene is still there, but your traditional three story shopping mall, everything inside. Those are have, yes, yeah, yeah. But you don't see um, retail. You don't you don't see the internet killing retail completely you see retail continuing to be around yeah. 
there's there's still very much still a need for like niche, you know, whether it be boutiques, because then you have a trusted advisor to a certain extent that is selling a product that they really care about. They're not just a person who has a nine to f- a job to sell a product. It's like, yeah. yo, this is my store. This is my business. My name is on this. I'm providing a service and I'm send- I'm selling you goods that like I wear, that I support, that I fully back. So if, if anything, I think, I think those are stronger in retail these days. And I think you can make the argument that even just big boxes or or e- even smaller retail shops are going to see an uptick just because of the pushback of free uh, free refund, not free refunds, but uh, returns. free returns. So a lot mm-hmm. of companies have switched that where they used to offer free returns mm-hmm. and now they're charging eight to 10 bucks, which is what they were losing in that. Yeah. And so so now that forces people to to be a little bit smarter in that case and not yeah. buy 10 things and return nine of them or all 10 of them. And so I, I think that brings some of that back into stores, which will be interesting to see, you know, where that cycle is five to 10 years from now. If if, if that's something that I was right or wrong on, you know, it, it'll, it'll be interesting just to see because yeah. it, it it is nice to go to places. You know, it, it's nice to see people, you know. I, you know, this thing is fine, but you know, there is something about seeing someone in, yeah. in the flesh. Yeah, absolutely. I want to, uh, if we can, I want to shift gears quickly uh, yeah. as we're coming on a close with time. You, you have a pretty strong, you had mentioned your YouTube views. Yeah, they, they, they weren't as high as what you want, but uh, to, you only had six or seven episodes that you released. But then when you look over, you have a pretty strong Instagram following. Uh, so many people, so many new businesses <laughs> that I talk to. Yeah, they're like, gosh, you know, I, I just post a few times and I don't get any engagement. What uh, what did you do to, to get your Instagram following? Uh, and was there any key things that happened to to build it or was it just uh, consistency and grew over time? Social media is different now than what it was when I first started. Um, to be honest with you, I, I really can't stand it too much <laughs> but it is uh, just a nature of the beast that right it is yeah so when i first started namarama it was part i i skipped over this earlier my partner heidi joy always gets on me about it i i was educating businesses on why to tap into social media six seven years ago well instagram or facebook that's a fad you know the again the kids are doing that it's like no it's a free uh, avenue of marketing and advertising for yourself. If you just have the page, you can post whatever you want to your business and you can also put money in it if you want to, to promote it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I was educating, I mean, small, midsize, even larger corporations on how to better use social media to their advantage. Um, me personally, you know, I, I, I just posted, you know, when I wanted to, what I wanted to, and what I tell people nowadays, and I still do it for myself, like authenticity and just being yourself, you know, you could follow trends and all of these things, but it's like your tribe will find you eventually. Think about what we did before we had social media. Um, If you weren't using a website, we based our our, our success off of a lot of word of mouth. Um, So I think if you're just being who you are, and being your true self authentically and leading with an integrity and intention, things will work out for you. I'm a big manifester. Uh, I said before, I've had dreams of all of these things years ago. And I'll look at myself today. I wake up every morning like, damn, I did it. You know, I'm not rolling in the dough, but I wake up without an alarm clock. I wake up and we go on adventures every day and we have the best time. We just came back from uh, a gig in Charlottesville. We got 
uh, hired by Retro Hospitality to send us through a whole tour of Charlottesville. We went to Shenandoah National Park, and it's awesome, dude. It really is a dream come true, this lifestyle. So, yeah. Man. Yeah, Charlottesville is a cool place as well. Virginia, yeah, gosh, we have a lot of really pretty cool yeah. places to check out. Yeah. And I think it's important, again, if we live in Virginia, people are really focused on, well, I want to go to New York. I want to go to Cali. And it's cool. Those are, those are all really great places. Don't get me wrong. I love going to New York and California. But if you're just looking for like a getaway that you can drive to, just hop in the car, man. Two hours in either direction in Virginia. You got beach, city, you've got mountains, you've got the bay, you, you, you name it, dude. We have all of it. And people who who have lived in California will even say it themselves. They've moved to Virginia because of it. It's like, well, you think about it, I can get all of it plus seasonally change and I can have it <laughs> a less amount that I'd be spending in L.A. I'm going to just go to Virginia. Um, and that's just my, my own personal take on it. Um, I love it. I love Virginia. I've been in Virginia all my life. I, I've lived in North Carolina for like a year but outside of that, I mean, I love it here, dude. I really do. I love traveling. I love going and finding different parts of Virginia that I've never seen before and meeting people and all of those things. It's it's a lot of fun. It really is. Yeah. What's on your bucket list that you haven't done yet in Virginia? As far as Virginia, um, yeah. a lot of the parks. So we are we're, we're, we collect passport stamps and our mm. passport. Um, it's a, a, a book that you can like collect stamps at different visitor centers. Um, there's a place called the channels I've not been to before. It's like, uh, right on the West Virginia line. Um, mm. like a, a path through all these like giant rock formations. Um, outside of that, I'm just I, like TLC. I'm always chasing waterfalls, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. not, Crabtree Falls is pretty cool. Of Crabtree Falls. We just did dark hollow falls in Shenandoah. I was in, this is in Maryland. It was Patapsco State Park in Maryland, which is a another amazing falls. I love waterfalls. I yeah. absolutely love waterfalls. Natural Bridge is a cool, uh, cool thing. Yeah, Natural Bridge is dope. We went to um, ah, uh, what was it? Uh, Sky, not Sky. We did Skyland the other day, but there's a park. It's uh, it's like a pasture of like cows and stuff, and it's. It's a, a national park or a state park. I'm Skyline park. Drive, not that? No, that was in Shenandoah. Heidi Joy will know. We were there. It was also very cool. You got to, We were on one of the highest parts of the park where you could then see um, parts of Northern Virginia. You got to see Tyson's hmm. uh, Corner. You could see um, like kind of like Woodbridge-ish area, I think. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll find it. I'll let you guys know. But it was dope there, too. What is it? Is it Knob Point? Knob's Point? No. Well, no, it, but, but that's one outside of uh, Roanoke that uh, okay. That I got to do. But I mean, dude, I mean, I'm embarrassed to say that as long as I've lived here, I, I just ran. Uh, so Saturday morning, Zach, uh, I ran a lot of um, the Elizabeth River Trail. I had never done that before, man. And like that, dude, that's to have that. And, and that's 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 a pretty cool thing to have. And yeah. dude, in terms of like being able to run in the city, man, it's uh, yeah. The ERT my, my biggest gripe with the ERT, and I used to live right by it, yeah. is that it's more of a route than a trail. Okay. Right? And so 
the part that you did, Tim, is more of a trail where it's actually like an actual thing. But then when you get to like the ODU section towards the end, it's really more of a route. Like, hey, we're going to go. So, yeah, through I started. So, not yeah, so I started trail. at Waterside and then I, I went past Smart Mouth and then all of a sudden, you know, it, then it became part of a trail. Then finally, I was like, dude, I got to go home, man. And they've so, renovated like, a lot of that stuff. But yeah. that's my only gripe about it. So I, it, I used to ride it all the time. I do enjoy it, but I would like it if it was more. And even I don't know what the name of the trail is in Fredericksburg along the river, man. I ran that. That was you know that's super cool too, man. I mean, it's just uh, it's a lot of trails out here. And again, growing up, living here, I, I, I I pulled away from things that I loved when I was a kid, being outside, finding bugs, climbing trees, and not till I started tapping into that again that I really you know opened my eyes and say, wow. You know, if you just live like a tourist where you where you're from, you might find a lot of stuff. And that's when right. I started to that. Yo, wherever you find it, wherever you live, sure, you can knock it and say, oh, it's boring here. But like, are you doing the research to learn about what your town or your city has? Yeah. to offer? Oftentimes people aren't. I mean, that's just the like easy uh, answer. this just a excuse. Yeah. I mean, like leaving the Norva Friday night, Zach, I was like, man, dude, what a cool place to have in our backyard. I mean, yeah. like. The Norva is like, there is no place better to see yeah. a show. I the mean, Norva it's just is one of my favorite. That was the very first venue that I saw, like a concert to this day. It is still one of my favorite. Um, even things as small as like in on the holidays, downtown Norfolk will play music from the speakers. It's like, that's such a little, a little gift, right? They don't have to do anything of that nature, but it's like the fact that they take the time and the little attention to detail to things like that. It's, it's a well, the arch lights. The well, arch lights, those, yeah. that, what man, they did with the Wisconsin, awesome. man, that, uh, man, that thing's pretty oh, dope man. Now, too. I love the Nauticus. I was going to the Nauticus whew, before I even moved to Norfolk. My brother went to Christopher Newport first, so I would go see him at CNU, and he would take me to the Nauticus. This is back in 2000, like, four, maybe three or four. And, yeah, to then jump to recently, I've, I've been, like, a major partner of the Nauticus for like two years they actually like had my son go to their sailing camp at one point i'd help them with um their charles dickens chris charles dickens christmas town situation um i i got to document a lot of their events and recap their events ren is amazing she's doing such awesome things there um yeah the nauticus and they they actually just got a um a new I forget if it's a grant or something to revitalize the Nauticus where they're going to be doing a whole lot more inside to kind of change mm-hmm. around what it looks like. So stay tuned. Nauticus is an amazing spot for Norfolk. And again, another slept on gym of the Hampton Roads. There you go. Yeah. I think, that, I think that's where we'll leave it. <laughs> <laughs> I could talk more guys. Don't get me wrong. I love talking. So uh, we appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Seriously.